God tells the prophet Jeremiah that he has chosen him to be his prophet to the nations. How does Jeremiah respond to this? And what does it have to do with you and me? I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. I didn't choose this. 
But here in our text today in chapter 1, this is God's initial word to Jeremiah. This, this is the first word that comes to him. And these words are actually critical in understanding the entire book of Jeremiah, the entire prophecy. But it's going to form the basis of who Jeremiah is as he goes about doing the words of work. Let's look at this a little bit closer. In verses 6 through 8, so God, in verse 5, God tells Jeremiah, I chose you. And what does Jeremiah say in verse 6? Oh no, God, you got the wrong person. <laughs> I, God, I, I am just a young man. Now, we don't really know how old Jeremiah is at this time, but we do know his ministry is going to cover a period of over 40 years. Starting from this point to the fall of Jerusalem, and then we'll even continue after the fall of Jerusalem. So his ministry is going to be spent at, at least 40 years. So I, to cover that longer of a time period, he has to be somewhere probably between 20 and 25. But even then, that's a guess. That is not a hard, that's not a hard number. But nevertheless, for Jeremiah, his age and inexperience was his reason to not do this. He said, God, you know, I know you, you picked me, you said you called me to this task, but I'm just too young, I don't have the experience. And what, he, what he's really saying behind that is, I'm just, I'm young and inexperienced, so these people you're sending me to who are older than me, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to want to hear what I have to say. That God doesn't give Jeremiah much time to wallow, does he? Or hide behind that excuse. In verse 7, God says to, to Jeremiah, Do not say I'm only a young man. He tells Jeremiah that his inadequacy is irrelevant. You not being old, you not, you not you thinking you're not old enough, you thinking that you're not qualified or experienced enough, that's not a problem for me because it's not about you. It's about me. And my message, and I have chose you to go share it. I want you to go share the message. And if that wasn't good enough, God goes on, he says, Jeremiah, you remember that reason why, why you're afraid, why would you give me that excuse? You're thinking because you're young and inexperienced, the people aren't going to listen to you. That, that is your fear. That is what's keeping you from being obedient to me. Guess what? Again, it's not, your, your inadequacy is irrelevant, and your very fear, the thing that you fear the most from doing this, yes, they're, they're not going to listen to you. I'm going to send you to them, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to speak on my behalf, and that's for sure, these people are not going to listen to you one day. But I've not told you to go and listen, or make them listen, I've told you to go and share That's what God's called Jeremiah to do. So he, he, in this section, he, in verses 6 through, through 8 here, God deals with Jeremiah's fear. He says, don't be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. You just, you just do what I have called you to be, what I have called you to be, and let me handle the rest of it. The rest of that is not your concern. 
Then God's going to continue down into verses 9 and 10. So he, he, over, he, he deals with Jeremiah's objection. And then he kind of affirms him the, to him the objectives. He says, And the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. The prophet is given the words from God to go and share. Now understand this. When it says that God puts the words into Jeremiah's mouth, it does not mean that Jeremiah becomes a robot. He's not possessed. And then you know, he's not, when he stands up to speak, his eyes don't start glowing red, and then things just start spewing out. That's not what happens. No, God picks Jeremiah, and Jeremiah, because of his relationship with God, gives Jeremiah a word, and Jeremiah has to wrestle with that word in his own heart, in his own mind, and then he takes it and he shares it with the people. Understand this, there is not a preacher who is called by God that doesn't first wrestle with the message from God to share first. That is job number one of the preacher is to wrestle with the message that God has given him or her for the people. That means every sermon that I have preached to you, which this is number 87, I have had to do, deal with first myself. And then I have to deal with it again as I'm standing here sharing it with you. Believe me, the Lord is still working on me as I'm sharing it. And if I, if, I, if I fall asleep and not pay attention, the phone will look at me and say, that's just talking about you. She'll point at me. Remind me. Anyway, Jeremiah is not some robot of God. That's not what's happening here. Jeremiah has to share God's message. God's, God's given Jeremiah the words. Now it's up to Jeremiah to speak and share them. This is one of those moments we don't cease to be human beings when God we give our life over to God. <clears throat> but we actually become more of ourselves when we surrender ourselves to God. We are stepping into God created us to be to, to our purpose. And that's what Jeremiah is doing. Uh, Andrew W. Blackwood Jr., a theologian wrote this. He says, God's initiative did not destroy man's responsibility Quite the contrary. God has acted, therefore man is responsible to act. Because God has acted and called you to do something, because God has called Jeremiah to do this, it's Jeremiah's responsibility to step out and act to what God's called him to do. But, and the message that God has given Jeremiah the words that Jeremiah is going to share is in verse 10. And this is what his message is going to do. It's going to uproot and tear down. It's going to destroy and demolish and, to, and it's going to build what's going to plan. His message is not all sunshine and rainbows. Matter of fact, Jeremiah's message is more of you're going to have to, you're going to, have to put in some hard work. And you're going to have to do the hard you're going to have to do the hard work as fire is falling from the sky and the world is burning around you. And as you do that, as you endure, as you press on what I've called you to do, through the ashes, through the smoke, the sun will start shining through, and that's when you'll see the rainbow. 
That label is my promise to you that I will be there with you. Do not be afraid. Go and do what I've called you to do. Jeremiah's task, Jeremiah's purpose was to be obedient to what God had called him. To share the message that God was giving him. Jeremiah couldn't respond for the people. But Jeremiah had to respond to God. And he had to be obedient to what God was telling him to do. I saw what makes verse 5 so important. What's God saying in verse 5 here? It says, I chose you. And notice it doesn't just say, I chose you to Jeremiah. It says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. Before Jeremiah was even a thought in this world, before his mom had even met his, his dad, God had Jeremiah on his mind for this purpose and for this time. I have set you apart. God has set Jeremiah apart. God, God knew Jeremiah's purpose was going to be to be his prophet. And all of Jeremiah's life, up to this point where God calls him, everything that had happened, everything that he had gone through, God was using and orchestrating and working together in order to show Jeremiah that he indeed had been set apart for this moment, for this task. His entire life. It says, I appointed you to be a prophet. There wasn't no king. There wasn't, the high priest doesn't commission Jeremiah here. No, God appoints him to be his messenger. And understand about the prophets here. So many times when we think about the prophets, we think of them, you know, when they, when they speak, that they're speaking into the future. Like they're some type of mystical fortune tellers. That's not the role of the prophet. Yes, there's a lot of futuristic events that they share in their writings. But really, the gift of prophecy is, is, is not just based on fortune telling and telling the future. Prophecy, what it is, is being able to look at a situation and see it the way God sees it. And speak into it the way God would. See why you need God to do it? God has to call you to do it? And before he was even born, God has set Jeremiah apart for this purpose. God had a plan for Jeremiah's life before anybody even considered he might be coming to existence. There are no accidents with God. There are no accidents with God. Everything that he does, everything that he says has a reason, has a purpose. That includes you. But what, what, so you know what this text is saying to us? It's telling us that God's called Jeremiah. And if Jeremiah wants to be who God called him to be, if he wants to fulfill the purpose that God has set him apart for from the very beginning of his existence, for the very moment that God thought of him, 
He wants to do that. Live up to that. If he wants his life to be complete and fulfilled, Jeremiah is going to have to let everything else go, all of his hopes, all of his dreams, and exchange them for what God wants of him. That was the only way he was going to find fulfillment. That was the only way he was going to find peace. Is to do what God has called him to do. Because that's who God made him to be. And let's be honest. There's no one that knows better how something is supposed to work than the engineer who built it. So how does this apply to our lives? First, you have a place with God. You have a place with God. God made you for something. I can't tell you what it is. But understand this, God knows. And just like Jeremiah, just like when, when, he, when he thought of Jeremiah, he already knew this is who Jeremiah was going to be. This is his purpose. This is how he's going to fit into this world. When God made you, God thought the same thing. You might not be called you to be a prophet, but God says there is a purpose for a mic stuff in this world. There is a purpose for a Jeremy Edwards in this world. You looked at the world and you thought, that, that, you know what that world needs? That world needs a Larry Pinnock. He made you. And here's the thing about God's place. And when I talk about God's place and you having a place with God, understand that that means it's answering two very life important questions. It's why am I here? And, and how, how does this bad thing and these things that have happened to me, how do they fit into who I'm supposed to be and what God's called me to do? And the only way you can answer those two questions is by surrendering and yielding your life to God. To fulfill God's purpose, you have to surrender your life to God. And that means you have to, you have to kneel before Jesus and announce Him as King and King and Lord of Lords. But understand, it's not, it's not enough to just to kneel down and pray a sinner's prayer. That, that does not uncover your purpose and why you're here and how you're supposed to, you know, how these things are supposed to fit together. Just saying a sinner's prayer and sinner's prayer and accepting Jesus, that, that doesn't give you the answers. What gives you the answers is when you get up from praying and asking Jesus into your heart and you decide, I am going to live every second of my life with you, Jesus. And I'm going to stand as close to you as I possibly can. Because the closer you stand in Him, and the more you draw near to Him, more of that knowledge of your purpose and why all this fits together will be revealed to you. Because your life is spent with the God who made you, the God who, who arranged things around you. You have a place with God. But just like Jeremiah had a responsibility to accept that and then live it out, so do you. You have to accept that Jesus, God in the flesh, is the king of your life and not you. And you have to do things his way. And this, this is a call to everybody. Every single person in this room, every single person that's going to listen to this, God's calling us all to that. 
first thing out of life. Now, second, here's the second. God calls some of his messengers. He's caused, he's created us all, he's created us all for his purposes. But some of us, our purpose, God has created us for us to be his messengers. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, Jesus is going to tell a, a parable. He's going to share this parable with his disciples and a, and a, and a rather curious crowd that's formed around him. And you guys have probably heard this parable before, but Jesus stands there and he starts talking about this farmer. This farmer's going around, he's just tossing out seeds. Right? Just throwing them every way. And some of the seeds, they fall on the pathway. And the birds come along, right? And they eat the, they eat the, the seeds up because there's nowhere else for them to go. Some of the seeds fall on the rocky soil and because they can't grow deep enough, the sun scorches them and they die. Some of them fall on the thorns and as they're growing up, the thorns choke, choke them out and, and that plant dies. But some of the seeds that fall on the good soil. Okay? Have we heard this parable before? Okay. And so many times when we, when we read this parable and we wrestle with it, we walk away, and so many times we hear it taught, we hear it taught this way, that my heart is the soil, and the seed is the word of God. Right? We hear it taught that way every time. I have taught that. Okay? As I was wrestling with this passage, and as I was thinking about the message that God gave Jeremiah, which says, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant, I saw that passage differently. With a little bit of help. Here's the thing, if the seed is supposed to be God's word, when God just haphazardly tossed his word about for no reason. We just said that a minute ago, God does new accidents. And then I tell what that is. I think if I went around and asked us about what type of soil our heart is, we might we might give the business school to say, oh my heart's this good soil. But deep down on the inside, we know. You know, I want to good soil. That creates a problem when you try to trip that past that way, doesn't But what if, but I do know this about Jesus. Jesus, in some of his other parables later, he would refer to us as plants. We would plants. that parable of the sower, you and I are the seeds. Think about it. Where did the farmer get the good seeds from? Where would he get them? He would go to where the good plants grew up in the good soil. They're healthy, they're thriving plants, so I'm gonna, he's going to go to them and and as they, as, they, as they bloom and germinate, he's going to take the seeds from them and take them elsewhere and plant them and try and start a better garden or another garden someplace else. And then I don't know much about gardening. Trust me, if you come by the parsonage in the spring, I will plant flowers, and then I won't know which one is the weed or which one's the flower. And so I will let them both grow up together until I realize which one's which, and then I take everything out. But you know this, 
plants any seed anywhere is what? It's for that seed to grow where it's planted. If you and I are the seeds in the story, yes, some of us, we, 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 we stay put in the, in the beautiful garden where the good soil is and, and the good flowers grow up, but some of us, God, if we're seeds, God will take those seeds and He will intentionally put them in the hard places for them to grow. And that first plant that, that, that he plants here, it may have to die in order for something else to grow there. Because if there's one thing in the kingdom I've learned from studying God's word, there's one thing that you'll take away from Jeremiah is, it is for, for salvation to take, take hold. For someone to know salvation, judgment has to take place first. For, for revival to happen, somebody has to die. So what if, what if we are the seeds and, 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 and some of us are the seeds that God takes away from the good soil and he takes us and he sprinkles us on the pathway? And if you're like me, do you get in the way when the grass grows up and the cracks in the sidewalk? I absolutely hate it. It drives me nuts. I, I'll go and take the shovel and I'll scrape it out and two days later it's back. And I go and scrape it out and it's back again. I get so angry. I don't know why. <laughs> this doesn't look right. But everybody knows, though, the way that starts off, before a, a, a set of grass takes over that crack, have you noticed it's usually just one single plant first? And, you, and, you met, and, you'll, and you'll think, it's just one. I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll be fine. You pull it up and it takes off. See what I'm saying? Some of us are the seeds that God drops intentionally on bad places. With the same expectation that we grow. God's expectation doesn't change. His expectation for us as seeds is to grow where we're planted. Some of us, yes, God has, has brought us to this church and He expects you to stay at this church and grow and, and blossom right here in the midst of these people in this group. But some of us, God calls and He says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to drop you as a seed over here. And I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's rocky and it's thorny, but you don't worry about that because that's not your job. Your job is to grow right where I planted you. It's to grow and produce a seed yourself that will fall to the ground and so it can grow. When it comes to clearing the way, I said a minute ago, there ain't none of us who can make our hearts clean. In the same way, there's none of us who can change our environment by ourselves. And even, even if we work together as hard as we possibly can, we can't do it because that's not our job. That's not what we were created for. We were created to be seeds that fall and grow and grow where we're planted. When it comes to clearing out the rocks so that, so that the garden can grow bigger and more beautiful, when it comes to cutting away the thorn bushes, when it comes to busting up the pathway, that is not our job. That is the job of God and God alone. Our job is to be the ones that are willing to die even if necessary to initiate the garden growth. So just as God has chosen everyone, God has made everyone with a purpose in our lives, that purpose is to only to be found when we surrender our lives to Jesus and follow Him. 
Also, God has called some of us to give our lives to his mission and to his cause. You might be saying to yourself, but I, I'm too old. I don't know enough. I'm too young. I'm not from around here. You can go down the list of but eyes. And God's going to look at you and he's going to say, it doesn't matter. Your inadequacy is irrelevant. It's not about you, it's about me. It's about you sharing what I've told you to share. And that's it. It's about you being obedient to my call and growing where I planted you. So, so here's the question I couldn't ask you at the beginning. If Jesus is calling you, will you answer? And the reason I, I couldn't ask that question at the beginning is I already answered it. And I've answered it time and time again. And I'll be honest, when the, when, the, when, the, when the times get dark and I get bruised and bloodied and beaten up, and I say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Come on, I've had enough. But this word becomes like my bones are fire. And I get to where you're trying to hold it in, and I can't. Something deep within inside me, some voice. Is calling, saying, no, I have called you, I have made you for this purpose, grow where you're planted, and let me handle the rest of it. And it's that call, it's that, that, that knowing, that divine purpose that has called me, come to me from God. It's knowing that this sustains me through every trial, every tribulation that comes my way through the journey. Because I know in the end, it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter if you folks don't listen to me. What matters is that my life is surrendered and obedient to what God has called me to do. I've already answered that question. I've answered it again. I and every time God brings to me, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be ready to answer it again. I might fight and scream and kick and cry about it. You may have to drag me to the altar. But, you know, but God, I will respond. I will listen to your voice. But I can't answer that question for you. If God is calling you, will you answer him? Maybe, maybe, maybe the call God's asking you is just that basic one of just come to me and let me show you. Trust me enough to come to me with your life and let me show you why you're here. If God's if Jesus calling you that way, he's saying, he's saying, trust me, follow me. Jesus, God of the flesh, the Jesus we've been celebrating that came and was born as a king born in the manger. That's the Jesus calling you. And you won't find your purpose, you won't have to find the answer to your life questions until you follow him. But maybe there's somebody here else today that God's saying. Now you've already answered that first one. What I want you to do is I want you to be willing to drop everything. And be a seat that I take on someone else. Dear God, 
ask that your spirit help make sense of what your servant has said today. Lord, I, I'm not 100% why. I don't know why you picked today for this message, and I don't know why you've arranged the service the way that you've arranged it, but you did. And Lord, I have not been so certain of a message in a long time. But God, I know you're speaking to somebody this morning. I know you, maybe you're speaking to somebody that's going to listen to this later or watch it later. Maybe they're wrestling with those questions of why am I here and how does this all fit together? And I pray, God, that they would surrender their life to you in this moment. Lord, Lord, no, Lord you know they've tried everything else. But Lord, would you show that the answer along is simply you. May they surrender their life to you. Maybe there's some of us here this morning who you've stuck with that lately. We know what your plan is, but it's just been hard. We make up every excuse that we can, every reason that we can to. But God, help us to just rest and learn to grow over planting. Give us the assurance. God, there's someone here this morning. Maybe you've been telling them that they're supposed to be that seed that you take and you carry and you plant someplace else. You're calling them to be your messenger. I, I pray and ask God that you would give them a role this morning. That your light would shine brighter than all the inadequacies and all the eyes are listing off right now. And in the midst of all that, is that your still small voice, that whisper of your spirit, will say to them, but I've chosen you. I have called you to be my messenger. God, would you help me be obedient to that this morning? Time for this week's 30-second takeaway. All right, this week's takeaway is more of a, a pep talk. If you accepted Jesus, or if you accepted the God's call to be his messenger, it's really important for you to take this next step. And that next step is to talk with your pastor. Let them know about the decision you made. That way they can come alongside you for the next part, the next steps in this journey. If you do not have a pastor, please reach out to me. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. It was recorded live at the Greensburg Church of Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane in Greensburg, Kentucky. Our theme song is called The Dirt Path, performed by Jeremy Edwards. If you would like to share a word of testimony with us or what God's been doing in your life, you can reach us at P.O. Box 215, 
Greensburg, Kentucky, zip code 42743. Or you can also find us at www.gbergnaz.com on the Greensburg Church Nazarene Facebook page or the Dirt Path Facebook page.